What's up, heroes? I'm the House Ninja, superhero DJ and music producer, and also the host of the Producer Life podcast. This is part three of a special series that runs through December where I'm interviewing the contestants for Emerald Summers Presents Bass Battleground, an epic online DJ competition where DJs face head-to-head for cash prizes, fame, and glory uh, every other week. This week, we have Be Real facing off against Alt Breaks starting at 4 p.m. this Sunday, July 10th, and I am joined today by Be Real, a freeform bass and dubstep DJ who is originally from Atlanta, Georgia. Welcome, Be Real. Hey, House Ninja. Thanks for having me on here. It's going to be a good conversation. Uh, uh, looking forward to it. I can't wait to see your set this weekend. It should be a lot of fun. You you started DJing just a couple of years ago. Is that right? Uh, yeah, that's correct. Um, my now wife got me aboard uh, after seeing how inspired I had been by the music and uh, going and seeing it live that she got me one for Christmas. And that was about two and a half, actually about three years ago now. And uh, I've been grinding it ever since. What did you, so you get this Christmas present, you unbox it. What what was your first, first deck? Uh, it's the, it's one of the starter decks for Pioneer or, uh, and it ran Serato. I can't freaking think of it right now because I've had like four boards. Unfortunately, I've had some very bad luck with them, but we're working okay. steady now. <laughs> okay. So what? How did you? Uh, how did you get started? Because we've got uh, I know a lot of DJs and producers that are listening to this out there. How did How did you get your start? Um, with like mixing. Well, like when you got you, you opened up the box and you're like, all right. What do I do now? Did you oh, have friends okay. that taught you, or did you find some online tutorials that were helpful, or how did you how did you learn to do what you do? I just so happen to be happen to be just straight up blessed. Um, a lot of the uh, local DJs in Savannah, um, I wanted to put myself, I wanted to immerse myself in everything that they were doing. So I'd be the person to show up to every single show, every single anything that's happening. My face was there. I made it a point to do that so that I could become friends with these people and then hopefully eventually have an opportunity to be able to play and perform for large crowds. And um, I have to thank a good bit of people. I'm not going to name them all right now, but uh, there's a lot of good influence in Savannah that has formed me from going like this to this because it gave me the confidence and just the love, the love to keep wanting to go and the inspiration. Okay, nice. So showing up, uh, supporting other people, and, and then they uh, they kind of helped you out and showed you the ropes. I saw them and I said, I want to be like you. And I did it. Okay, nice. Um, now, kind of back me into that. You, uh, where did, where, your wife knew that you loved uh, sort of the music scene, where, where do you think that came from? How did you get your original interest in uh, electronic music and, and uh, your, your interest in this genre? I gotcha, yeah. Um, well, it actually started early in um, high school. Uh, of course, everybody that actually liked the music at the time was listening to Skr- Skrillex and Bass Nectar and all the big names at the time. And uh, I was just sitting there on Pandora like, listening to their music and nobody liked the music of course at the time because it was weird and people don't like weird stuff at first but uh it eventually came back around i uh got out of the military and then met my wife um uh she actually had been a festival goer for a very long time at that point and uh she she wanted to take me and immerse me in that. And so um, about three or four years ago for Christmas, again, she got me, uh, me and her tickets to Excision's tour. Had Monks, Liquid Stranger, uh, Dion, all, 
all of it. That was like my first like introduction to the scene. And uh, I'm very thankful for that. <laughs> okay. Awesome. So she's, Sounds like she's definitely been a, uh, an anchor for my inspiration. Yeah, it sounds like it between buying your decks, buying your tickets, uh, uh, probably uh, shows up to a lot of your events, I would assume. Every single one. Every single one. That's fantastic. Uh, having having that family support is so important. Uh, now, you had a really big show recently uh, alongside Easy Baked and uh, Xenotype. Uh, tell me about that. How, how did that go? Uh, that was probably one of the greatest nights of my life Uh because not only did I get to perform with some big artists, but like the night, whole night just went awesome. Like nothing was messed up, even though a thousand things can get messed up in the process. Um, it worked out. We ended up getting to do a back to back to back to back at the end of the show. So that was nuts in itself. Um, if anybody's ever got the opportunity to play with a bigger name DJ and try and back to back at the end, definitely do it because they'll remember you better than they'll remember the people that were playing before them. What would you say if, if you're given that opportunity, what's, what's the key to doing a really good back to back with another DJ? Talking communication. Hmm. When you're, when you're up there, you got to communicate with other people. And I'm sure you know that as well, especially if you're playing with other people, you got to communicate, got to know what's going on. So you're Thanks. you're talking to him saying, "Hey, I'm thinking about playing this track," or, or you right. what? Okay, or like, "Hey, where are you at? What key?" Blah blah. All right, now I got to find something that can work with this. Got it. Okay. Um, now you've also kind of recently started producing as well. Is that right? Correct. What uh, what doll are you using? Uh, we're using FL. Okay, terrific. How'd you how'd you get into FL Studio? Uh, actually my buddy Hunter DJHD, who's also in this competition, um, he actually gave me FL, uh, as a present, I guess. I mean, we work, we work together with a lot of stuff. Uh, we've collabed on a few things. We're now, uh, hitting this base battleground together and I'm glad he's here with me. Uh, he's from Savannah as well. Um, but yeah, FL, that's what we use. <laughs> Okay, awesome. Uh, and you, you sort of one of your big releases so far has been your collaboration with uh, Neuroversal Eight Seven Seven Money. Yeah, uh, can you tell us a little bit about that uh, that track and how it started and how that collaboration worked? So uh, we were me and my buddy Neuro uh, were just messing around with some rap beats and uh, trying to take we were trying to remix a song and we actually ended up with something totally different. And, um, I, I believe the song is go get the money by Yo Gotti, but I couldn't find that for you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Exactly. But, um, you've, you've remixed it to the point where I can't really tell where the original starts and where the remix goes. So well, yeah, yeah. It, it's, uh, mainly just the words just the chorus of the song uh is the only thing that we used for uh that we had we can we could only get or we couldn't get just a vocal sample so we had to work with this music in the background and try and twist it make it a little bit dubby <laughs> it's really fun well, actually yeah it's it's a cool track what um so Tell, tell us just a little bit, because a lot of our audience on the Producer Life podcast side are producers and DJs. Tell me a little bit about the process you use for remixing that song. I mean, what did you... Actually, you... Uh, now that I think of it, we didn't even... So this is another buddy that I, I would produce with, and I'm pretty sure he was using Ableton. Mm -hmm. um, we had to... I don't really know that program very well, so I don't know what... To exact exactly call it but we had to we had to do a lot of editing to the song to be able to match uh match key because they're the, the song's key was going all over the place so hmm. i'm not really sure how uh we did that okay well pitch <laughs> shifting isn't isn't very difficult in ableton you just shift things up and down a semitone with the audio samples but um right. i would that's assume cool. studio does something similar so that's 
that's interesting. But it does certainly cause pro- cause challenges when you're collaborating with somebody if you're on different DAWs, unless you're just sending back the the audio stems. It's it's kind of nice when you can like share a project file so you can see what the other guy is using for settings and that sort of thing. Right. So um, now the other big thing that I know sort of bringing us back to base battleground and the competition, I know you're really instrumental in the competition because you're helping out with the AV stuff. Is that right? That's correct. Um, uh, I've got, Actually, there's a couple uh, of us. Raiden Rock, uh, who also is competing, uh, also is very tech savvy with the uh, the stream as well. Um, but as as of right now, I'm just running camera. Um, what you're seeing on the base battleground, that's me behind it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Not, well, that's obviously a critical part of a live stream. So, uh, tell me tell me a little bit about the technical setup there, because a lot of a lot of folks are kind of curious about the behind the scenes. Uh, you know, how how are you guys running that stream? Tell me a little bit about the the hardware and and what you're doing to make sure it's a quality uh, quality live stream. Right. So um, we actually run visuals through uh, FL Studios uh, for the stream. It's oh. FL to Streamlab OBS. And um, it's actually pretty simple. We just have that plugged into an audio box, which the audio box is plugged or the, the decks are plugged into the audio box. Um, sometimes you'll be seeing us with two boards. Uh, We've got one board connected to the other board, and then that's running off of one channel. So we can actually use two boards for a back-to-back using just that one channel. Um, And then it just feeds straight back to the system. And it's a little bit more simple than people would think it is. But uh, once you get into the settings of actually setting the stream up, as you know, that's where it starts getting difficult. And that's where you get to personalize yourself. Yeah, and I know stream. I was using uh, Streamlabs OBS when I was streaming heavy back in uh, 2020, 2021. Um, I know you do all your overlays there, but I, I don't understand using FL Studio for visuals. I, I'm not really familiar with uh, FL Studios, but that, that handles visuals and audio, it's also Correct. being a DAW. Also, also being a DAW, yeah. So it's, uh, I guess you could call it VDJ. Okay. Uh, through a computer or having a set um, layout. I don't know. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, I know like a uh, virtual DJ does that. Um, Recordbox does it too, to a degree. Um, I, I've started, but it's like a premium feature you got to pay for. I've been using that recently in my sets. Um, how does through, FL Studio... Through Recordbox, you said? Yeah, Recordbox will okay. do it too. Uh, you have to pay their subscription fee of like 10 bucks a month to unlock it, but then it'll play movie files and you can associate specific files with specific songs yeah. or it'll pick a random one from a folder and crossfade it. Um, I think I know what you're talking about. Yeah, it's, it, it's okay. Um, I, I was using Resolume before that, but um, when I shifted from Ableton to um, Rekordbox, I haven't been able to figure out a good way of keeping the time in sync between record box and resolume. Uh, so I, I got to figure that out before my stream. Um, FL studio keeps everything, the visuals in time with the song. Um, yes, actually. Uh, so one that we like to use, uh, is like the old, like the old trap logo that had the, like the bubbles coming up as yeah. the bass hits. Yep. Yeah. That's our favorite one to use. <laughs> okay, and, and that's sort of built into FL Studio. But how does it get the timing information from 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 uh, from the decks? Uh, f- through the audio box, it like. Okay, so it's audio reactive. It's just picking up yes. audio. Uh, got it. Got it. Got yes. it. Got it. Okay. All right, that makes sense. Um, um, the only thing, the only problem that we've found with that is the there's like fucking split a split second like delay got it that makes sense and that that actually gives me an idea for i, I guess i could do the same thing using audio reactive with resolume so i may have to play around with that there you um go. yeah thank you uh 
Now, you, you had a lot of experience doing live stream before you started helping out with Base Battlegrounds, right? You ran a, a collaborative live stream for a while with some friends in Savannah. Yeah, uh, actually, me and Hunter, DJHD, uh, we came together and figured out we wanted to call it uh, Real HD and Company. <laughs> okay. And uh, that way we would be able to bring people on and showcase themselves every week. Um, we had Jesus for like three, four months. We had a stream every week and we just had people consistently coming on and showing what they got, or we'd have our friends come back and play a set, like play a set with us, or we'd give them an hour and then me and Hunter would play for an hour back to back, or he'd take it over if I've got something going on or, Vice versa, it was really nice to be able to have two people uh, running that. So if somebody else wasn't there, it could still go smoothly. But uh, yeah, we had a good bit of, uh, we had to jump through a lot of hoops to figure out how the whole streaming stuff went, um, especially because we started on Facebook and Facebook likes to mute and monetize every little thing. So uh, we had to go to Twitch and YouTube. Yeah, now... I, when I was live streaming a lot, I was using restream.io to push to like, at one point I had six or seven different platforms. Um, but I found that both Facebook and Twitch would frequently mute my material. And that's frequently because I was playing, uh, you know, a lot of commercial songs, uh, at the time I didn't have enough of my own original content. Um, the one I had the best luck with was YouTube. YouTube's content ID would almost always pick things up and might block it in a few countries, but for the most part in the U S the recordings were there. It worked, worked beautifully. Do you, do you find that Twitch is muting a lot of your stuff too? Um, so for what I've noticed with the algorithms or whatever, how they pick it up. Um, if, if you, play too much of a song that you not do not own they'll cut it so if you're if you're mixing fast and i'd, I'd say almost like drop drop mixing drop yeah. mixing is the best way to not get muted because you're moving so fast that like it doesn't have time to catch it okay so that was also a learning curve uh during the stream it's like oh well we got to get a whole lot faster now Okay, that's that's good advice for anybody that wants to stream on Twitch. Um, okay, cool. Uh, what? So, before we talk a little bit about this weekend's base battleground set, do you have any other big projects that you're working on as as a DJ? Um, well, here recently, uh, I just have gotten back uh, on a team. I guess um, I just moved into my camper um, a year ago, actually, here coming up, and me and my wife got married and traveled for a little while ago, see her parents and this and that. So I haven't really been able to start any projects, but now that I'm in a area that I can be creative, um, we've got, I guess you could say we've got a couple things that we're working on. Nothing's set in plan, but, uh, we're trying to at some point make a record label but that's farther down in the down the road. Okay, awesome. Well, I've I've had a uh, had a couple of different uh, record label owners talk on the podcast. I'll have to send you some links to some of the those podcast episodes. Might give you some ideas and some. I'd appreciate uh, that. Uh, the sites that you can consider and some, some distributor recommendations and that sort of thing. Um, I, I got to ask you. So I, I wasn't sure if you were on vacation right now or, or what. I see your dog in the background. Um, what is it like? producing out of a trailer. I mean, I've kind of been fascinated with the whole tiny home movement, which is just kind of an expensive term for a trailer, but um, right. how's, how's that work? Well, uh, at first, when we were looking at campers, I really wanted to get one that had a little uh, closet that I could turn into like a studio or something, <laughs> but uh, that never happened. Uh, but working out of my trailer, I usually, I usually set up a bunch of kitchen counter make sure everything is closed and just i've got uh a little M uh, midi keyboard and uh it's mainly just playing around right now i me personally i work better in a uh structural setting 
uh, we've been here recently getting some studio time and that's really been inspiring me to get back on it and start, start getting this horse back, you know? Yeah. I, I got to say that's, that's one of my favorite things about being an in the box producer, you know, where you're doing everything on your laptop is sort of the flexibility to do it from anywhere. You know, I, I love being able to work on a project in an airport or at Starbucks or, you know, on vacation on the beach, you know, just really anywhere you want to take your laptop. I, um, I've never had a desire to have a room full of modular sense that, you know, you gotta, you know, it's like, which one are we using today? Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and all of the, uh, hassle and expense that comes with that. So, um, I, I could imagine the simplicity of camper life would, uh, it could be a benefit, you know? Um, so that's awesome. So how did you get into base battleground? Uh, tell, tell me about, did you hear about it through DJHD or? So, yeah, actually, um, I came, I went to one of, uh, their events at Iris. It's on the patio and I, HD had been saying, dude, you got to meet these people. You got to meet Rose. Emerald Summers presents like these people are legit. And I'm like, I've heard that before. Um, so finally I got to meet Rose. Um, and her and I instantly clicked and I basically told her everything that I could do or more or less that I could offer to the team. Um, and I originally was not in the base battlegrounds uh, competition, but somebody just recently pulled out of the competition. So I, uh, as soon as I heard that, I was like, "He goes, <laughs> I join." <laughs> as much as I like being behind the behind the camera working it, I like being in front of it as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I think every DJ likes to likes some of that uh, attention of being in front of a crowd. It's a little different performing in front of a camera, but even then it's Twitch is kind of its own unique thing where you're getting that uh, feedback from the emojis and the audience participation. Um, it's not mm -hmm. quite as same as people being there in front of you on the rail, but um, you know, it's, it's cool too in its own, in its own way. Um, it's, it's cool because you can actually um, uh, react to your crowd. Like, yeah. so you can see what they're saying, you can communicate with them and it's a whole lot easier than going and talking to somebody while they're playing, you know, they yeah. can just kid, up, read it and then respond on the microphone. Yeah. Kid, kid Kong's episode. I don't know if you saw that. That was one Oh one. She had a big Twitch following and she really talked about sort of that community that she's built around yep. uh, her, her Twitch channel, which is, which is awesome. She um, was on top of that thing, man. She was like, she was getting it. <laughs> she was having a lot of uh, communication, she, a lot of feedback, and it was really, it was really cool. Yeah, I, you know, I think the thing that for me I liked most about her set is, especially with the camera being that close, you know, you could see she really enjoyed what she was doing. Um, oh yeah. Sometimes with the DJ, you know, if you're if you're out in a big crowd of thousand people, you you know you you can barely make them out on stage. But it was it was a hundred percent apparent that she loved what she was doing, and I think that uh, that really is contagious and makes makes a huge difference, especially on Twitch. Yeah, I agree. She definitely had the energy for it. She was she has a very uh, good vocal. Uh, what's the word? Appearance. Yeah, yeah. She, <laughs> I know. she uh, handles the mic well, and you know, obviously, was very comfortable streaming. Um, so tell me a little bit without, without revealing too many of your secrets. Uh, tell me about your plans for your set this weekend. What, what, uh, what can the audience and your opponent expect out of you this weekend? Well, uh, I will probably have to say it's going to be a lot of different genres all up in the subgenre of EDM. Um, I like to take it everywhere. Um, like to start off at a good good medium like to bring up the tempo a little bit bring it back down make you feel weird make you feel great happy it's a ride it's a it's a it's a story it's i believe when you build a good set you're taking people on a ride an emotional ride with you and i feel like every dj even though you're supposed to be pleasing other people too feel like 
you're not doing it right if you're not pleasing yourself as well. Yeah, you, you got to be you got to be true to your um, to your interests as well and to your brand and uh, yeah, a- absolutely. And um, so that that sounds good. I, I I'll be excited to see your set and see how you sort of progress that journey. And uh, I, I've heard some DJs that come out and it's just banger after banger after banger, and it yeah. <laughs> And it's like, oh, give me a break. Yeah. You know, let, let me breathe. Uh, there's only so much headbanging I can do. Right. Uh, do you have, do you have a message for your opponent this weekend? All breaks. Uh, yeah, man. All breaks. I hope you come freaking swinging, man. I'm ready for this competition. I, I, I really am. Uh, the best man will win. All right. Best man will win. Uh, 4 p.m. Eastern on the Emerald Summers presents Twitch channel. That's where everybody can find the competition. Uh, what about Be Real? Where can where can people find you online? Uh, I've got Instagram and Facebook. Uh, it's B.Real. Uh, it's R-I-E-L. Um, my Instagram is BeRealOfficial21. And those are my socials, yes. Okay, terrific. And I'll have uh, links for all of those on the show notes page at producerlifepodcast.com. This is going to be episode 103. Uh, and we'll, of course, be posting this video on my YouTube channel. I'll also have links at the bottom of that as well at youtube.com slash house ninja music, one word. So uh, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. And uh, give your dog a scratch for me and say hi to, uh, hi to your wife and uh, uh, look forward to seeing your set this Sunday. All righty, man. I appreciate it. Be Real is going to be competing against Alt Brax, a Vancouver-based producer and DJ who specializes in glitch, drum and bass, and IDM. Welcome, Alt Brax. Hey, thanks for having me on. Stoked to be I'm here. Excited. So. Yeah, this is going to be good. What is uh, now? You're from Vancouver in Canada, correct? Yeah. Yeah. How how are things up there? What's the uh, what's the electronic music scene like in Vancouver? Uh, I'll be honest with you. I don't know a ton about the local scene here. <laughs> Um, yeah, I really don't. A lot of my, most of my presence is online. So, uh, I do want to start getting involved more in the local community for sure. But okay. Yeah. Terrific. Well, uh, um, I've never been to Vancouver, so, uh, I know almost nothing about it except that I think a large portion of the population speaks French, correct? Uh, no, actually that's like, uh, Quebec, um, has a, it's like a mostly okay. French speaking province. BC, yeah, there's not too many French speaking people here. Okay, I will revise my statement. I know absolutely nothing about, about Vancouver then. <laughs> so, it, it, it rains a lot. You can know that. <laughs> okay, all right, sounds good. Um, well, how did you, you've been producing a lot longer than you've been DJing, correct? Yeah, yeah. I've been producing for seven years. Um, I started in 2015. Uh, and then the first mixes I started doing was probably late 2021. Okay. All right. And uh, what what got you into electronic music and specifically producing? Um, for producing, it was honestly Skrillex. Like his 2020 or 2010 album kind of got me into electronic music. Uh, and then from there, it was Noisia. I've been a huge fan of Noisia for a long time. Uh, and then I just kind of slowly got deeper and deeper into the underground stuff. Um, so I think from Noisia, it was probably Rezo and then Fanu, who I'm a huge fan of. Okay. Uh, and that yeah, kind of got me into drum and bass. Nice. All right. I think in the, when we were talking before the interview, you mentioned uh, Mr. Bill also. Yes. Uh, he has an outstanding podcast, by the way. I don't know if you've listened to any of his podcasts, but he has a really good one for producers as well. I think you would... Uh, you I, well I, I plan on checking that out. I haven't actually listened to it yet, but I've heard it's pretty good. Uh, yeah, and I love his music. So he's interviewed some big names, including like Dead Mouse and you know top top tier artists, and uh, does a good job. Very very laid back interview style, but he also gets gets really technical, as you would kind of expect out of Mr. Bill. So yeah, um, his, his production tutorials are incredible. Uh, I used to be a hardcore Ableton ear on his website. I went through a ton of his stuff, and it's just just crazy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Ableton is where you got your start. How, how did you decide on Ableton as opposed to no, FL studio or pro tools uh, or 
actually, I started with FL Studio years ago. Um, and I've gone through pretty much every DAW. <laughs> I think I started with FL Studio, then I went to Cubase, then Logic, uh, and then Ableton with a couple things in between. Like I, I have Renoise. I occasionally use that. It's just fun for slicing breaks. Um, and it's just a totally different thing. Like a, the tracker workflow is a lot different than a typical digital audio workstation. So currently Ableton's your main doll, the one that you use? What, yeah. What, yeah. Why have you stuck with that one as opposed to the others that you mentioned? Uh, mostly the audio warping capabilities. I, I prefer to work in audio. <laughs> like I'll do all my sound design, obviously using MIDI and then bounce it to audio as soon as I can. I just find like the arrangements a lot better. Uh, and then especially for doing glitch stuff, Ableton's warping, like abusing that just comes out with crazy stuff. <laughs> yep. Yep. Absolutely. Uh, so from, from the DJing perspective, so that's, that's kind of your producing background from the DJing perspective. I know you've played around with several different, or you've produced under several different, um, stage names, uh, what brought you today to alt breaks and are you still using the other stage names as well? Uh, no, I kind of abandoned those. <laughs> okay. It's, it's kind of like a, a mental thing where, I don't know, I hit a certain point with my music where the stuff I was coming out with was a lot better than the older stuff. And I just kind of wanted to start fresh. I've done that twice now. Um, I don't think I'll do that again. I'm pretty happy with where my stuff's at under alt Brax. Um, yeah, so that's kind of what what caused me to change names three times. Okay, all right. So just kind of as you've leveled up your production skills, uh, so what I'm trying to picture what an alt brax is. Where where did that name come from? Uh, Google. Um, I kind of picked like different words and then tried to mash them together and then find something that had zero Google results. Um, and then Brax is kind of like a play on the word breaks. And I do a lot of drum and bass and use a lot of breaks in my music and alt, you know, alternative. I just thought it sounded cool. Alternative breaks shortened to alt Brax and okay. SEO friendly. <laughs> yeah. That, I mean, that is, that is so important today. Um, I, I know I went through a spreadsheet of about 25 different names where I was not only looking for SEO friendly, but also, you know, which ones had their handles already taken on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, so I could be consistent across all three. Yeah, um, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah. All right. There's no other alt Brax. There's only one. So <laughs> <laughs> there, I, I will say there is one more house ninja, but it is a real estate agent somewhere in Colorado. <laughs> so not to be confused with the music producer. <laughs> so, all right. Uh, well, let's let's talk a little bit about your recent production you've mentioned color spin a couple times um tell tell the listeners about this track and and uh what really makes it kind of unique and how it how it developed how you developed it yeah so color spin was it's my first foray into glitch music i've got another six or seven unreleased tracks right now but color spin was like my first effort at going from drum and bass into just weird experimental stuff. Uh, and originally it actually started out as kind of like a garage tune, just like with a two-step beat. Um, it had a little bit of glitchiness to it, but it was very mild. Uh, and I actually submitted it to a label uh, and I heard back from them. They, they checked it out. They suggested making some changes to it or whatever. Uh, and I just took it, resampled the entire thing, and then laid down new drums and just micro-edited from start to finish into what it became. So you took you took the master track and you went back in and edited like individual beats from there. Yeah. Oh my yeah. gosh. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I bounced the entire track to audio, threw it into a new project, um, changed the tempo, laid down some drums I like, and then just started slicing things. Why, why that's, that's an interesting approach. That sounds, seems very time consuming. Why not go back into the original track and like just tweak the sample that's in the MIDI drum rack or whatever? Uh, it is pretty time consuming, but it's actually a trick I picked up from Alchemy. Um, he does a lot of glitch music and I just want to try it out and see what I can do with it. I'm used to mangling audio 
like individual samples or individual tracks. I've never taken an entire, you know, 10 to 20 track song and then just slice it up. Um, what's kind of cool about it is because you have all of your tracks lined up, you know that anything that you slice, it's all going to kind of work together. So it is kind of, it's less efficient because you're micro editing an entire tune, but it's more efficient because you know that, you know, everything you have there already works together. Hmm. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. That, that is a cool approach for, for creating glitch. Uh, what you said, it started off as more of a garage tune. Um, when you're producing tracks, do you typically start with the beat or do you start off with a melody? Do you hear something in your head? How, how does your production usually flow or is there even a usual? Kind of depends on what I'm doing. If I'm doing drum and bass, usually it starts with breaks. I'll just start slicing stuff and combining different breaks and maybe synthesize a kick and a snare and layer that and then kind of build it out from there. Um, because most of the drum and bass stuff that I do is kind of more vibey and sample based anyways. Um, for the glitch stuff, it's really sound design focused. So I usually start with that just because it's a lot easier if you have a separate sound design session, go in, make all of your basses, make your drums, um, any kind of glitchy percussion stuff. And then I just have a big pool of sounds to pull from. Kind of like mixing your paints first and then figuring out what you're going to paint with it. Exactly. Because then you know that every element that you're putting in there is at least somewhat related. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Um, you've, you've got a bunch of other interesting tracks on your uh, SoundCloud. I was curious about the uh, Embers Concerto. You, you took Vivaldi's Concerto in D minor and kind of turned it into a drum and bass tune. I, I listened to it. I was like, wow, that's, that's pretty awesome. Um, are you a classical music fan? Do you have a classical music background? No, I just like sampling things that probably shouldn't work and doing what I can to make them work. <laughs> okay. That's, that's a cool it track. Was, it was kind of a new genre for me because Embers, um, if you go to DOA, Dogs on Acid, there's an entire forum dedicated to Embers and Gembers, which are breakbeat genres. Um, and the only real rules to either either of them is Gembers is 163 BPM and Embers is 145 BPM. And then you have to have a lot of sticks. <laughs> a lot of sticks. Yeah, I mean, just 16th notes, but um, I guess I don't know the full story behind it, but I guess the person who originally kind of created this genre had a lot of like stick hits in it. <laughs> So now it's almost like a meme, I guess. Okay. Um, now, but a, you, a lot of really cool music is kind of spawned from that. Um, do you, because do you, there's no real rules, uh, you just get a wide variety of sounds. Interesting. Now, you've done a couple of tutorials, and you've also written some for Music Tech Magazine. Is that right? Yeah. What's... Um, when you're deciding what sort of a tutorial to do and trying to make sure that the tutorial flows and, and putting that together, uh, what goes into putting together a well-made tutorial? Um, for written stuff, it's just making sure that you're breaking down the steps in like a easily digestible way. Uh, I actually find it way easier. I mean, I've been, I've been writing freelance since 2017. So doing written tutorials is really easy for me. Um, so I just kind of go through, do a couple things on a synth, take screenshots, write down what you do, and then, you know, just go step by step. Um, obviously not individual knob movements because that's going to end up, you know, with little one line things, but you just break it down in a way that makes sense. Um, for the video stuff, I'm pretty new to doing production videos, uh, but it's something that I'm planning on doing a lot more of. Okay. And... I know you've done some Twitch live streaming in the past. How did uh, how did you hear about the Emerald Summers Presents Base Battleground? And uh, uh, have you got your streaming set up already for this Sunday? Yeah, so I actually heard about the competition through Raiden Rock. Okay. Um, he introduced it to me, said I should sign up. So I went through the whole process um, and then kind of scrambled to get all of my Twitch stuff set up. I've never done video streaming before all of my previous live mixes were audio only so it's a bit different <laughs> for sure okay. but 
Okay. Do you know Raven Rock personally? Or are you guys just friends on Facebook or how, how did you know? Him? Uh, we met over Twitter and we just talk a lot, um, pass tunes back and forth. Um, and we just kind of become friends that way. So, okay, cool. I've known him for about six months. Seems like a, a great guy and he's doing a terrific job helping to coordinate the battleground and, uh, it was really his original idea. So it's, uh, it's exciting seeing all this stuff come together. Uh, now, you've also done some stuff. This was new to me with Blast Radio. Can you tell tell us about what you've done with Blast Radio and what exactly that is? Yeah, Blast Radio is actually really cool. Um, it is audio only, but it's a streaming platform um, for mixes. Uh, I know a lot of people use it to uh, reveal new tunes, um, stuff like that. But it, it's a plug-in, so you can just drop it on the master track in your DAW uh, and then just hit record and that's all you have to do and it will just capture everything out of any digital audio workstation and just stream it live on their site interesting so you could have a track with your microphone and talk talk over it and comment on stuff and it's it's you're, you're it allows you to live stream your doll basically exactly so what i would normally do is just i have a broadcast template i built for it but it's just you know i have my mic channel and then my output from my rain one that just runs through there and then everything just ca gets captured out the master output. But it's nice because you can use plugins that you're familiar with instead of, you know, with OBS, if you want to put a gate on, you've got to use their filters or if you want to put a limiter on, you have to use their filters. Uh, and I, I mean, the quality is fine, I guess, but it's just nice being able to throw like a fab filter limiter on the master channel and just have it, all run through or, you know, put a gate on your mic and get a lot more choice that way. So I'm, I'm not quite clear then. Are you, are you DJing with Ableton live and you're performing using the plugin to blast radio, or it's just small snippets where you're talking about individual tracks or maybe bits of a set? No, it's just doing live mixes. I have a separate audio interface set up. So I just run the booth output, um, from my decks into my second interface, which then goes through Ableton and then my mic goes to my second interface. Okay. All right. Getting fancy here. Okay. Yeah. And this way I can record the mix and stream it at the same time and then upload it to SoundCloud or whatever. After. Okay. Nice. Um, I know the other big one that DJs have been using over the years is Mixcloud. Have you used that any? I do have an account, but I never upload my mixes there. I don't know why. Okay. I All just right. like SoundCloud. My audience is there. Um, yeah. And it's just a lot of work uploading on all these different sites. So I just throw it on SoundCloud. And Yeah. I mean, absolutely. You got to you gotta not only go where your audience is, but also look for efficiencies there. Yeah, um, exactly. What are... So talking about Base Battleground, what, um, what can listeners expect to hear from your set this Sunday? Uh, it's actually a pretty wide range of genres, <laughs> um, starting with probably some more glitchy stuff and then maybe a bit of dubstep, um, moving into halftime and then drum and bass. Okay. All right. Nice. So you, uh, I, I would certainly hope to hear some original, some of your original tracks in there. Yeah. I'm hoping to drop a couple of them anyways, for sure. <laughs> okay. Nice. Um, do you have a message for your opponent? Be real. Good luck. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I know this is a competition, uh, but I just want everyone to have fun as well at the same time because, I mean, mixing and producing, it's supposed to be fun. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, that's awesome. And um, what what are your plans beyond Base Battleground? What uh, What have you got going on musically for the next six to 12 months? Uh, I have an EP that I'm pitching to a label right now, a um, couple singles, uh, and I'm actually working on a sample pack. So oh, nice. I'm really hoping that the label I'm pitching that to accepts it because that would mean it would go on to Splice, which would be pretty huge for me. Okay, that would be awesome. Yeah, I used Splice for for uh, many years, it's a great place to get samples. And I, I would imagine as a producer, that can be pretty lucrative if, if your uh, sample pack gets some traction. Yeah, I'd imagine so. The, the last sample pack I did, I just released on Bandcamp uh, and it's probably sold more than 
any other thing I've released. So <laughs> interesting, interesting. I hadn't even thought about sell. How do you? I've got a Bandcamp account. I post my music there. How do you sell a sample pack on Bandcamp? Uh, I actually just uploaded each sample as an individual track. Interesting. Okay. So I just treated it like an album. It, it was pretty small. So I, I don't know how you would want to do that with a larger sample pack because this was just 20 breakbeats that I made. Okay. Um, Interesting. So yeah. a packet of, packet of beats. Yeah. I wouldn't want to do that with this pack. There's like 500 one shots that I've created for it. Uh, I have no idea how you would package that on Bandcamp, but for, yeah, for smaller stuff, I think it works pretty well. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. That's, that's what I was picturing was 501 shots. And all of a sudden your, <laughs> your Bandcamp page is just, here's my 10 tracks and here's 500 samples. So, all right. Cool. So, uh, man, sounds like you got a lot going on. How do you, how do you manage to get in that much production juggle? I think you mentioned you've got a, another job as well. And how do you find time to produce and manage your time? Um, it's kind of difficult to be honest. Sometimes uh, I try and keep a schedule. So, like every day after work, I produce for probably an hour. Um, on my lunch break at work, I produce for pretty much all of my lunch break because why not um, have a laptop and then I just kind of like decide you know today I'm going to do a mix today I'm going to work on a track today I'm going to do sound design and build out a sample pack or, or whatever um, it is hard though doing a lot of things and I do visuals as well so it's it's a balance <laughs> T tell me a little bit about the visual aspect because I I I remember reading in your bio, you were talking about the sort of the visual branding you have, which is very cohesive with the grays. And are, how do you, how did you learn to do that? And what software do you use? Uh, probably kind of cheapness, to be honest with you. Uh, as an artist, it just makes more sense to try and do as much as you can on your own. Um, even if it's not like the best, because you're learning a new skill, uh, which is always good to have. And then obviously you're saving money because you're not paying someone else to make cover art or, uh, you know, put together visuals for a song. Uh, with the visuals that I've been doing for my releases, it's actually kind of cool because I reached out to Resolume. Uh, they had a tweet, something about, you know, send us your music and if we like it, we'll give you a license in exchange for letting us use two of your songs. So after I released Redwood Grove, I just reached out to them, sent them an email, said, you know, I've got these two tracks, uh, it's drum and bass. If you want to check it out, maybe we can, you know, you can use these and I'll happily take a license for the software. And then they responded and accepted the tracks, gave me a license to Arena, and I just kind of dove into it. Wow. That's that and that, that was huge because Arena is like 1100 bucks. I, was yeah. like, I wasn't going to pay for that. I, I mean, I would if I had the money to pay for it, of course, but yeah, just that's... be able to have the opportunity to get the software and learn it and and use it for free basically is pretty cool. That's phenomenal. That's phenomenal. So I've used Resolume for a while. Um, how, how are you using that with your, are you using that simply to design visuals or are you using that in like your live streams or how do you use Resolume? So for now, it's just to design visuals. Um, eventually, I do want to control them live and, and have visuals for my mixes. Uh, but there's just a lot of prep work involved in that. Um, and I, I don't know. <laughs> right now, I don't think I'm ready to be controlling visuals live while mixing. It just sounds like a ton to ton of stuff to do at once. Um, <laughs> it, it is, um, during the pandemic, my streaming setup, I, I DJed from Ableton live and I used the max for live patch that allows you to control simultaneously Resolume. And so I had kind of like eight different track series that were on autoplay <laughs> with 50 or a hundred different loops in each. And then I would simply control the opacity of the layer some layers had more energy than others. And so like in a drop, I'd, I'd twist a knob on my APC 40 and, you know, bring in the, the flames and everything. And then when I came to a chiller part of the song, I'd, I'd just 
turn that opacity off and go back to something else. So it was very rudimentary um, VJing. But what I liked about it was that it was perfectly in time with the music. Um, so yeah, that, that, that's why I like Resolume for sure. Um, I'm definitely not using it how they probably expect you to use it <laughs> because I'm treating it more like After Effects almost where like all the visuals I do, it's all generative. I just go in and, you know, start with a gradient or whatever and just start automating effects uh, and then using the audio signal um, to kind of control those effects. Uh, most recently, I actually created a YouTube intro video using Premiere and Resolume as kind of a combination. I did the logo animation in Resolume and then bounced it to Premiere and finished it off there. But it was kind of cool. I'm sure After Effects does a lot more that Resolume doesn't, but it works for what I do with it. Yeah. After Effects is amazing, but it makes my head explode. So, <laughs> there's so many, so many options. Um, okay. Are, are we going to see any of those generative effects in your live stream Sunday? No. <laughs> okay. No. I did buy um, lights, though. So I okay. do have lights, and they, right, they look good. pretty cool. Blinkies are good. So that's, that's, that's good. Well, we'll, we are going to look forward to seeing you um, this Sunday, 4 p.m. Eastern on the Emerald Summers Presents Twitch channel, uh, facing off against Be Real. Um, Where can people find you online? Uh, SoundCloud, Twitter, Instagram, Blast Radio. Uh, Any platform that's me, it's just Altbrax. Thanks okay, to and my and SEO. <laughs> if you would spell that for the people that are listening to the audio version of this podcast. Oh, yeah. It's A-L-T-B-R-A-K-Z. Okay. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Alt Brax. Uh, appreciate your time and uh, uh, hope things continue to go well for you in Vancouver. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> we'll see you online Sunday. Yeah, sounds good. I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be pretty awesome. So.